Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, part of the Locked On Live Network and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Thomas Welch, and today uh, the NHL the NHL awards just happened, uh, so we're going to recap those, all the selections, all the snubs, if you guys thought there was some. Um, I know there was a lot of, not really controversy, there was a lot of speculation that a bunch of different names were going to be thrown around in there, um, so we're going to go over those. Also, a couple, a little bit of blues news. Um Regarding Clem Costin, and obviously we're going to have to talk about Alex Petrangelo again because I feel like there's a couple new things that popped out. Um, I know Jeremy Rutherford did an interview with 101 ESPN specifically that I'd like to talk about. Um, So yeah, Uh, without further ado, let's get this thing on the way. During the NHL Awards last night, it was announced that your heart trophy for the 2019-2020 NHL season was Leon Dreisaitl with 43 goals and 67 assists on the season. Um, I feel like that was a pretty easy decision across the board. I mean, anytime you've got a guy that's playing hockey at the level that he was this season, um, specifically for, I mean, it helps that he was playing for a Canadian team, getting a lot of media coverage, all that stuff. But at the same time, uh, even if he wasn't, you can't disregard the level of excellence he was playing at, um, and I get like even I made the I made the argument earlier in the season that it, it, it helps his case playing with Connor McDavid, um, just because everyone's point production goes up when you're playing with that guy. Um, but that being said, like the numbers speak for themselves. Um, led Edmonton to a fantastic season. Looked like they were going to make a lot of noise in the playoffs. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, I feel like COVID probably might have had something to do with that. Who knows? Uh, I feel like it messed with a lot of people's uh, momentum. So I I think all things considered, uh, that's the easy decision. Um, Nathan McKinnon came second. Artemi Panarin came third. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still stand by my original vote for Artemi Panarin just because like in my definition of the Hart Trophy, it's like MVP who is the most valuable to their team makes the most impact, and I think that Rangers team relies so heavily on Artemi Panarin's production. Um, and okay, he does he does have Zabinajad, but I, I mean outside of that, I feel like there's a steep cliff in terms of production and guys that can really help out there, um, and in teams like Colorado. I mean, you got a loaded lineup, top to bottom, defensemen, offensemen. Um, and in Edmonton, I feel like they've got kind of the same setup in these playoff teams. So in my in my mind, the guy who makes the most impact on his team is the most valuable to his team. And I think Artemi Panarin had the most impact on his team. But that being said, I feel like the Riders uh, kind of all have, I don't know, maybe they're they're – own personal code of ethics when it comes uh, to who they vote for. Uh, 
are, and they're definitely their own personal definition of the Hart Trophy because I know a lot of people's awards uh, fluctuate with that with that definition. Um, so I think Leon Dreisaitl is the safe pick here, and I mean you can't you can't disagree with that in any case. Uh, another controversial one: the Calder, Kale McCarr took home the Calder Trophy. Um, so Vancouver doesn't go back-to-back years with Pedersen and Quinn Hughes, although Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr are both going to be absolutely disgusting defensemen in this league. And probably, I mean, they'll probably get thrown around in comparisons like Austin Matthews and Eichel. Like how people like love to have that conversation of like who's better, who makes a bigger impact on their team, and just argue all day long online. Um, I would not be surprised if... This Makar Hughes kind of, I don't even want to say it's a rivalry because it doesn't feel like there's any bad blood between the two players, but the fact that they just get compared to each other so much, uh, I feel like it's it's bound to happen. Um, so yeah, Kale Makar, 12 goals, 38 assists, and 58 games played. Um, and obviously he had the injury during the season, so you have to think like, I mean, if he doesn't miss those games, I... In my in my mind, he probably would have passed Quinn Hughes, um, but the fact remains that he didn't. So, I mean, for me, really, it's really like a coin flip right here because they're both the dynamic players, future all stars. I mean, the amount of awards that it's gonna and Stanley Cups probably like the amount of awards that these guys will have in their trophy case after both of their respective seasons are over is gonna be mind-blowing um and i think that speaks a lot too to like how not only how the game of hockey is changing because we see these young defensemen that aren't big-bodied like they used to be in the 80s and 90s and uh speedster guys but really like i i talk about it a lot on twitter or i used to at least i don't as much anymore but the the impact that these young guys coming in make on their teams it's not just guys coming in winning the calder trophy with like a little bit of an overwhelming like performance like it's no no like these guys come in and c- contribute in their first year in the league like they're a core player like they're a franchise player and it's it's mind-blowing on like it the skill level of these players it just seems every year with each draft just seems to keep going up and it's fantastic for the game um it's fantastic to watch these dudes just skating around like i I could never in a million years do the thing that these guys do. So watching it on TV just makes the game more exciting, makes the game more marketable. And I feel like it's it's just a good scenario for everybody because I feel like I kind of like on a global platform. I mean, you can you can even talk about just like ESPN forgetting that the NHL exists for however long. They do it all the time. I feel like it doesn't get the respect it deserves unless they have highlight plays, unless they have like videos and all that stuff being put out and this new core of players I feel like not only with their social media but also with their play is capable of doing that so that's always fun to see uh moving on actually we're going to take a break real fast um and then we'll do the last two awards last two main awards um and then we'll get into some blues talk so stay tuned All right, and we are back to your regularly scheduled programming. 
We're going to move on to the Vesna Trophy, which was won by Connor Hellebuck. I feel like that was that had to have been, in my mind, the easiest. Uh, maybe not the easiest, because Dryside was pretty easy. Uh, maybe second easiest. But uh, Hellebuck, I mean, you talk about a lights-out goalie all season long. That really didn't help have any help in that Winnipeg defense. Still put up a 922 save percentage. 2.64 goals against average and led the league in six shutouts. And that's the thing, too. So if you like, I get like Rask had a better save percentage, but he also played for a much better team and a much better defense in front of him. So that, that's going to bump your numbers up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And in Winnipeg, in my opinion, especially losing uh, Bufflin, like, like, I, you could almost make the argument that Hellebuck is their defense, you know, because they've got a they've got a stacked offense. Don't get me wrong; those boys over there, especially like those young guys, absolutely cruising. They got some weapons up there, but like that link in between, they don't really have anybody. Um, so they're putting up all this offensive production, and then team comes back counters, and they're in all alone. Got the momentum and stuff, and Hellebuck just makes jaw dropping saves left and right. Just an absolute brick wall in the net for him. I mean, I mean, you talk about controlling the pace of play. I, there might not be a better goalie in the league that does it like Connor Hellebuck does. But um, also very noteworthy that Jordan Bennington got one third place vote. Um, so I believe he ended up in seventh place in terms of votes, um, especially in a season where I, I wouldn't say he wasn't impressive. But he it obviously was not the season that he had last year, um, and Jake was definitely definitely put together a better campaign for us than Jordan Bennington did. So I thought I thought that was interesting to see um, that he's already kind of got the notoriety associated with his name to get essentially a third place vote that I don't I don't think he deserved. I think I think the argument could be made, but I don't think he deserved a third place vote in my opinion. So. It'd be interesting to see who that was that voted for him. Um, but at any rate, finally, out of the main awards, um, the Norris Trophy went to Roman Yossi, who had 16 goals, 49 assists, and 65 games played. And I thought this one was interesting because, like, a lot of times, especially, like, in the past, like, it's easy to just go vote for... I think last year it was, like, the top three defensemen it was like one, two, three in voting, where one, two, three in points as well. So I thought that was strange that uh, John Carlson put together the season that he did this year, seventy-five points in sixty-nine games. I mean, that's a pretty impressive resume. Um, but like when you take everything into consideration, like time on ice and Corsi, and the impact that Roman Yossi has on his specific defensive core, uh, I feel like. I feel like this is the right decision um, it's because I feel like Yossi's a lot more well-rounded, I guess, and Carlson's a lot more offensive, which is, I mean, that's fine. That doesn't mean either of them is a bad defenseman. Um, but when you talk about a Norris trophy, I when we and I, they always talk about like the difference in definitions. We talked about it with the heart, but in my mind, the best defenseman should get the Norris trophy and it shouldn't, it shouldn't really have to do with offensive production I guess offensive production is part of it but like at the end of the day whoever plays defense better 
should come out on top. And I believe, in my opinion, that's what that's what's happened here. Um, also very noteworthy, Alex Petrangelo came fourth in the Norris voting. I feel like every year we talk about his name being right up there with the top five guys. Um, and he was on the second all-star team for all NHL. Um, and everyone else on that second all-star team is currently signed to a seven or eight year contract. So in my opinion, like everyone out there in the Twitter sphere that's calling for Petrangelo's head essentially and saying like how can this guy ask for seven to eight years when he's 30 years old and all this stuff like he just wants to get locked up because he deserves it and like like we talked about a couple like we've talked about like he's been on a team friendly contract he hasn't really been paid what he's worth and this is his chance this is really his last big chance to do so before his production starts to fall off so there's no reason, in my mind, there's no reason he shouldn't be trying to get essentially like all the money that he's worth. But at the same time, he wants to stay here, so he's not going to take as much money. It's not going to take as much money as like Toronto or Vegas or like any other team really for him to stay. And it blows my mind, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. But it blows my mind that Jeremy Rutherford won't even come close. Like, I guess he's getting closer. But in my mind, it's going to take 8.5 probably to sign Alex Petrangelo or near it. That's probably the number in his mind that he's looking for. Um, but like we, like everyone's really talking about, like it's, it's a matter of like respect and the amount of, well here, actually, let me just, let me just. Let me just riddle off some names for you real fast, okay? Justin Falk, Braden Shen, Troy Brower, Billy Huso, Nico Mikula, Sammy Blay, Marco Scandella, Mackenzie McEckern, and Jacob De La Rose. Now, what do all of those players have in common? All of them signed a contract in the time span that Alex Petrangelo could have. Let me repeat that. Every single one of those names, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people signed a contract with the St. Louis Blues before Alex Petrangelo did. And while he had the had the chance to. And I I understand people are like, well, like they came to him and offered him a contract, but he turned it down, so that's on him. It's like, okay, if if you heard from everyone across the league. That you're worth nine ten million dollars, and your team comes to you and offers you six point five or seven. Are you gonna take that deal? Are you gonna take that deal? Honestly, in terms of money, it it doesn't even matter. It's a matter of respect. I get the argument that like, well, at seven dollars and eight million dollars, like at that point, you're just filthy rich, and it shouldn't matter. But if you're getting undercut that much, it's disrespectful. That's where that's where it, that's where it hit home hits home for me. That's where it doesn't sit right with me. And like we talked about, like I I understand our Doug like trying to get guys for cheap, but you cannot afford to do that with a guy that's given everything to your organization for the last 
I mean, we're going on 10 years now. He spent a decade here. He grew up here in terms of like and like maturity, becoming a man, meeting his wife, former St. Louis Rams cheerleader, growing a family here. All his kids go to school here, just built a house here. And Doug said, yeah, uh, well, we want you for cheap or we don't want you at all. So pack your shit and the house you just bought. Get rid of it, sell it, and uh, take it somewhere else. Because we don't think that the 10 years that you've put in for this organization, all the work you've done, bringing a Stanley Cup here and breaking a 50-year drought is worth paying you adequate amount of money, which is still less than the league median. That I, <laughs> I'm going to get heated, but that blows my mind. And you talk about it, we'll bring it up now, but Jeremy Rutherford went on 101 ESPN, I believe it was today, um, and basically said, like, pretty much the entire league is currently laughing at the St. Louis Blues, which I thought we were done with. Because as Blues fans, we did our time, 50 years, every tweet. Why can't you get a drink in St. Louis? Because there's no cups. Every single time you talk to a Blackhawks fan, you get a gif of Jonathan Taze shoving some fucking silverware in your face. And then it was over. And we got to turn it around on other teams. And we didn't get shit talkers in every reply. We didn't get people breathing down our necks. They said, okay, they're respectable now. They look pretty good. And they broke the curse. Our organization was structured. We were good. Our contracts were fire. 7.5 for Vladdy and O'Reilly. You can't beat that. That's quality. And now this. A debacle. We're back to the bottom. Doesn't make me feel good. But I'll tell you what does make me feel good. Is working out. And every time I work out. You know I got to get some kind of protein in me before or after to really maximize those gains, right? Makes those veins pop, get those muscles growing. Problem is, meals take too long to prepare them and all that stuff, especially like chicken. You can't just eat dry chicken. You got to put something on it. And usually, I'm left with choking down bars and powders because they taste like sand. Well, not anymore. Built Bar is the protein bar that rises above all the rest when it comes to taste. With an overwhelming variety of flavors and new ones like Cherry Barcia, they have 20 grams of protein in every bar, low calorie, low fat, and low sugar. They are the perfect bar for the health conscious person. And when you order now and use the promo code Locked On, you get $10 off your first order. They're literally paying you guys free money, no questions asked to treat your taste buds to the best tasting protein bar you'll ever have. It's a no-brainer, guys. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On in the little box there. Tell them we sent you. You get $10 off your first order. Do it right now. Promise, it's going to be the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. They're so delicious. I can't recommend them enough. I've, I've probably got like three boxes in my cupboard right now. And even if you don't work out, like if you're running out the door for breakfast in the morning, you don't have time to make scrambled eggs, bacon, the whole nine yards. You just got to grab something and go. Dude, Built Bar, easy money. Easy money. 
Check them out. I promise. They know exactly what they're doing because they've been doing it for a long time. All right. Our final piece of news for the day. Um, the Blues announced today that Klim Kostin was assigned to Avangard Omsk of the KHL. Um, and he'll be eligible to return to St. Louis when training camp starts. Uh, I think this is a good move just because get him a little more work in. But it also seems that Russians typically play better over there, like in the KHL. And even as recent as Yask, and we've kind of seen like an explosion of production from him. Um, so we'll see that how that helps out Klim Kostin's development and progress towards making the team uh, when training camp comes around. Because last season in the AHL, uh, for the San Antonio Rampage, he had 13 goals and 17 assists. And he cut his penalty minutes in half. And I get it was a shortened year because of COVID and everything. But he had like 102 penalty minutes. This year he had like 59. Um, and that's always kind of been, in my like in my understanding... That's kind of been my knock for him is well, he brings a lot of things to the table. He's a Sammy Blay caliber of player. He can beat you with skill. He can beat you with physicality. They called him a bull in a china shop when he was drafted, and I feel like that's pretty high praise, especially for a, for a, for a player like him that's built like him. So really, I mean, in my opinion, the only thing that's left between him making the team and him staying down in the AHL uh, is that level of discipline. And we've seen, because we've seen even Sammy Blaze struggles with it at times. When he gets frustrated, he's still a young guy. He's still got a lot of years in this league, a lot of time to mature, a lot of times, a lot of, a lot of things to figure out. Um, but it's those, it's those untimely penalties that are just emotion warranted when your wires get crossed. Uh, in the past, we've seen Klim Costin, that happens to him a lot, ends up getting fights, ends up slashing guys, taking majors and game misconducts so we'll see how it goes i would love to see him on the team next year like i said a couple podcasts ago i think he would be an absolute weapon uh on the power play and really like in the playoffs because we've seen the production that sammy blay has really all season long but like especially when it comes to the playoffs because he can play that hybrid style of play of physicality or a skill i feel like a lot of guys in the league kind of have to pick one based off of their build, based off of their archetype. Um, so the more guys you have that can fluctuate that and kind of be fluid with it, I mean, your matchups against these teams are going to be brutal. Um, that being said, I think that's all the time we have for today. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. You can follow the pod on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnBlues. You can follow me on Twitter at Twelcher15. And as always... Let's go Blues.